0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Kind of an Expert podcast. As always, I'm your host. My name is Corey Tyndall, And this week I got to chat with longtime friend and comedian Jeff Greenspan. Uh, Jeff, before becoming a comedian, was working at uh, ad agencies and tech companies all around the country, including uh, Facebook, where he worked with Mark Zuckerberg back in 2012. So I wanted to talk to him about uh, media. And the state of the country, and the idea of truth and what's true um, revolving everything around everything that's going on and the role that media takes. So, um, as you've uh, seen from the other episodes that I've done, I really like talking about this stuff. And he's got an incredibly interesting and I think unique perspective having worked with people like Mark Zuckerberg. And I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. He is actually not in New York City right now. He's actually doing live shows every other week in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, It's called Bode Comedy, and it's in the lobby of a hotel room, Uh, socially distant shows eight bucks for a ticket and you get a free beer as soon as you show up to the show. So if you're in the Tennessee area, go check that out. He's got a bunch of New York comics on there, some of whom have uh, have been on this podcast before. So go, go check them out if you're in the area and follow uh, the new Instagram page for this podcast at kind of an expert to keep up with all the new episodes. New highlights are going to go up on there as well. Um, and please, I remember to like share subscribe I always appreciate when you guys do that and with that let's get into the episode It's been, uh, it's been a while. You're now down in Tennessee, right?
1: Yes, sir. Yes, Corey. Hey, yeah, it's been a minute. I'm, I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee.
0: <laughs> That's, how, okay. How did you end up, because you're like, <laughs> you work for like ad agencies, you do comedy. I feel like you're such like an East Coast kind of guy. And then you're just like, oh, no, I'm in Chattanooga, not even Nashville. Well, what happened? Eh-
1: Anyone who anyone who knows me knows that you know I got into advertising and comedy to to eventually come to Chattanooga. That was always the dream. <laughs> that was, that was always the the, the plan. Oh, uh, you know what they say. If makes you can, sense why
0: you were talking about it. You know what? So uh, much it open. Yeah, I mean,
1: you know what they say about Chattanooga. <laughs> if if you can make it here, uh, why why would you? Uh, so yeah, I mean,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> no, I love it here. I'm
1: just I'm just fucking around. Uh, basically. Um, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was uh, I was pretty quarantined on my own in a somewhat small apartment in Williamsburg. I don't have a you know uh, a boyfriend or a or a girlfriend <laughs> uh, or a dog or any roommates, and I was alone for a long time mm. and I was kind of losing it. And yeah. uh, uh, I had been toying with the idea before the pandemic of, of uh, buying a piece of property in Gatlinburg. Uh, to rent out on Airbnb and that, you know, cause I'm going to be moving into my retirement ages at some point and there would have to be some income. And, uh, I was joking with a friend. I said, well, maybe that retirement home is for me now. Maybe I should just move to Gatlinburg. And he said, well, if you're going to, <laughs> he said, if you're going to move to Tennessee, you should at least look up the guys at humanot. And I wasn't really aware of humanot, but humanot's an ad agency in Chattanooga. And, oh. uh, and I explained to my friend that, you know, I wasn't, really pursuing advertising that much anymore, and so I didn't really know the, the lay of the land that much in terms of what agencies were out there doing what. But then as things would have it, like the very next day or that night, there was an ad up from Humanot, from David Littlejohn, who's the guy that owns the agency, and his name had come up in these other conversations as, as someone I should reach out to. And he was looking for um, oh, wow. some senior creative talent. And so we got on the... What timing.
0: Yeah, what timing. (laughs) That's crazy in a pandemic that that would work out like that. Well,
1: you know, the word on the street about David and Humanot was that, you know, he really wouldn't consider anyone who wouldn't move to Chattanooga. So that was one of the reasons why some people I had talked to about it were like, well, you know, it's probably not going to go anywhere unless you're going to move to Chattanooga. I'm like, I I would move to Chattanooga. I just wanted to get out of New York City. I didn't know anything about Chattanooga. So I got on the phone with David and it was supposed to be about like a 15 minute, You know, introduction call and we wind up talking for almost like an hour and a half or two hours. We really got along and I explained to him what I was trying to do with my life, uh, personal and professional and he explained what he was trying to do with his life and um, he said, well listen nobody can really move right now anyway because of the pandemic so why don't we just have you work remotely and I explained to him that I like to work with this other comedian named Steve Malloy who you know you know Steve.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: and so I've been kind of um, introducing Steve to some of the ad agency world as a way to make money while being creative um and uh we have a good working rhythm together and he was down for letting me work with this guy even though he didn't really have a portfolio or anything and we were kind of killing it we were doing these projects and they the agency seemed to enjoy what we were doing and so he said why don't you and steve come down here to be comedians in residence and why and i said what's a comedian in residence and he said i don't know we'll figure it out (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> that is the best uh, the best kind of attitude you could hear from your boss. <laughs> just like, hey, hey we're going to work for you and with you. And we'll just, I don't know, we'll figure it out. And most of the time when you've got someone with that kind of attitude, it actually does work out.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's been working out, Knockwood. Knock um, and so uh, Steve and I went down to Chattanooga and they gave us uh, an apartment on the top floor of this hotel. It's kind of like a condo in a hotel. And we were supposed to be here for, yeah, it's really wonderful. I mean, it's just, I mean, I had been cooped up in a, you know, a small apartment. This is an apartment you can literally run around. It's got a ping pong table in the living room um yeah it's like two bedrooms <laughs> two bathrooms it's got a beautiful view of the mountain it's in it's in downtown chattanooga so you can you know we don't need a car we can just bike around and so we were supposed to be here and it only
0: costs four hundred dollars a month
1: it's uh, uh it, it's uh you can get dinner in chattanooga for 42 cents it's really very no i'm just kidding it's wow. not that cheap <laughs> yeah yeah it's not you haven't gone back it's old top. english times yeah yeah. So uh, we were supposed to be here for a month, and we were all enjoying each other. We really loved Humanot, and they seemed to like what we were doing. So we extended it for another month, and then uh, we went back to New York City. And uh, I tried to get back involved in the in the comedy scene, which was, you know, really happening uh, mostly outdoors and on rooftops at that point. This yep. was September. Uh, cause the last four years of my life, I've really just devoted to trying to become a better comedian, uh, at the expense of a lot of advertising work. Uh, you know, uh, I didn't want some of the freelance work that I was doing to get in the way of doing the comedy. So I was like kind of passing on jobs and, and the more I did comedy, the, the, the lower my threshold for the bullshit of advertising was, which has created yeah. some, some issues, but to, to get onto the, to get onto the answer, uh, I saw what the New York scene was like. It really was not for me. I had a pretty I had one really horrible experience. It was enough that the very next morning, I called the manager of this hotel and I said, hey, if I, how much would it cost to, to get that apartment that the agency gave us? And he told me how much it was. And I said, if I moved in there like for months, would you let me do a comedy show in the lobby like every two weeks? And we'd experimented with a comedy show when I was down here the first time. And he said sure let's see how it works out and now here we are like three or four months later and we've had multiple sellout shows we have like 40 to 50 people in a room that holds 200 so we're socially distanced and this has kind of been my life now and every two weeks i bring different comedians that i know from the scene in new york a lot of them you know like nick talelli meno fernandez joe mahoney ted barden of course um, all these guys joey rinaldi um they've been coming down uh and doing shows at the bode and uh And now I just bought an apartment down here. I sold my one in New York and I'm going to try to keep this thing going uh, even after the pandemic, if, if there is an after the pandemic. So
0: (laughs) yeah, not for I I don't think for New York, there'll be an after the pandemic, but it seems like Chattanooga or Tennessee in general is where, where people are moving. I know I think you're the third person that I know personally that moved down to Tennessee in the last four months. It's, nuts. It's a mass exodus.
1: Yeah. I mean, Tennessee just surpassed, uh, Texas in destinations for one-way U-Hauls. So that's a good, uh, you know, barometer of, of where people are migrating.
0: Yeah. Holy shit. That's crazy. I mean, everything that you just said is awesome. Like (laughs) it just sounds like you, you just, had an issue and made shit happen, which is what you know every comedian says they want to do, but then are generally too lazy to actually pull off. Well, um, but I guess I guess that's where the the actual corporate experience can can help you is like you know how to push things forward. It's not just ideas.
1: Yeah, I mean, ideas without you know a plan for action isn't really going to go anywhere. And you know, I've seen some laziness in the in the comedy <laughs> community, but I've also seen a lot of my friends do really interesting things. Uh, in, in with what they have. I mean, I was in a position where I could pick up and leave. I I didn't have a full time job to report to. I don't have people who depend on me in terms of family, or kids, or anything like that, or even pets. So I was pretty. I could be pretty flexible. But I've seen people do really cool things with with video and 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 you know even TikTok and podcasts. And while those things aren't for me, that's not what I wanted to explore. I think it's really great that right. that a lot of comics I know are like are, are flexing a different muscle. For me, the muscle I wanted to flex was being on stage, um, you know, I've been writing for a long time for, for other people, not so much myself. So, you know, I'm trying to get the performance to be better. And so down here, I get stage time of, you know, 20, 30 minutes frequently, you know, I can often get 15 at, the, at, at, a, at a small set. And in New York, you know, I was um, four years in now, I'd be lucky if I can get a 10, 12 minute set in New York City. And so, um, right. you know, it's it's not a New York audience and it's not a New York experience. And I don't have the New York community to, to keep me as sharp, and it's not that Chattanoogans aren't sharp. It's just that when you've got so many comics trying to make it in New York, of course it sharpens. Everyone sharpens each other. Um, right. Uh, but I'm really very lucky that I've got the New York comics coming down because it's a good it's a good trade of value. I mean, I'm able to give them a a 20 or a 25 minute set, and I get to still you know be in the circle of comics whose work I really respect. So it it, it works out for everyone so far.
0: Yeah. No, that, that sounds awesome in that, I mean, what you were saying about the the New York comedy scene in September not really being what what you need it to be, I 100% resonate with that. And it was like, you know, it, New York, was kind, it's kind of a volume city. Like, you don't get very much time <laughs> in each spot, but you can do it three or four times a night. And that's how you kind of sharpen yourself where, like, in the summer it was like, okay, Well, all the mics are during the daytime because they're outside. So that means that I can't go to them because I have a day job. And so I could do one per week on the weekends. And so I do that. And then by the time the next weekend comes around, which I've been anxious about all week, I have forgotten everything that I learned mm. in the in the set the week before, so it's just it turned into this cycle of like, wow, I'm not actually doing anything. It was just spinning my wheels in in place. So that's yeah, and that's it, and it I totally awesome that you were yeah, able to. I totally figure out. Sorry, I'm sorry.
1: I mean, I mean, I was I was interrupting <laughs> to commiserate. Like I had the same experience, but you know, a lot of short sets are great, but that's one muscle to to work. You know, I, I I've yeah. never gotten this muscle to. Also play in front of people who don't look or think like me. Not that everyone in New York thinks and looks like me, but like these are. I'm in the buckle of the Bible Belt, and I'm playing Alabama, and I'm you know yep. doing uh, you know Georgia and and places. Um, some of them are bars, some of them are theaters. Some of them it's hard to gauge if this is just a real crowd or a pandemic crowd, like. Have, have the best of the best come out to be in the audience or are, are some of the smartest people <laughs> staying home. Um, I mean, for the stuff that I'm trying to work out on stage, it, it does help if you have a cursory knowledge of what's going on in, in 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 politics and stuff. And some of the audiences that come out just because of the self-selection of who's coming out during a pandemic aren't. So it's it's it's, it's been a really cool experience. But what I was experiencing in New York is like I mean, is it making me a better comic to learn how to play while an ambulance is is going by or while a dog has just stolen my mask (laughs) Um, or when I've been upstaged by a homeless person who just took the mic? Like, are these are these skills that are going to be useful to me in the future or am I becoming a a, a clown? Well, a clown. I mean,
0: so comedy in the apocalypse, you might have to deal with that kind of stuff. We're not guaranteeing that we get out of this.
1: Oh, I'm, I'm on board with you, man. <laughs> you, just, you know how I look <laughs> at the world. I mean, yeah, I I, th- this, is all, this is all the floor show. This isn't even the – uh, this is just – we're just ramping up.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, bring on the, the collapse of the financial system, I say. Break it. <laughs>
1: well, you know, uh, it's not just that system. It's all the pillars that are kind of holding up society, financial, political, yeah. spiritual, uh, uh, cultural. They're all kind of shaky. And I don't know if yeah. I don't know if we have enough common ground to to keep them up. So it's going to be pretty, uh,
0: pretty bloody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's I mean, you used to work for like these major companies in advertising and and marketing right or i guess in we'll say we'll say media and really it seems like in hindsight it seems like media was the thing keeping all of those pillars up in that everyone was getting the same rough roughly the same message as everyone else yeah i mean the three big that seems that seems to be gone
1: yeah to me the three big pillars that keep everyone's power in check is you know religion politics and media and those things up until now have never really attacked each other they would kind of just Mm -hmm. you know play along to keep people suppressed Uh, and now they're battling each other (laughs) and so um yeah yeah the whole structure is gonna fall in some way uh i don't think it's i don't know maybe maybe it's repairable it's not repairable it's it's that's your generation's fight to fight like i'm 50 i'm not going to be able to 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 contribute (laughs) to the healing you know
0: no, my uh, my generation is uh, we're too obsessed with justice to actually let uh, let things that need to go go to make sure that there's sustainability. I think that like with with everything that happened to my generation at very young ages with like 9-11, the financial collapse. And now this I think my generation and, and this is part of what PC culture is, in my opinion, is my generation. So obsessed with making sure that everything is exactly fair that nothing is workable to to people my age like it's it's either perfect which nothing ever is or burn it down well and i think that it's not good it's not good but i i I I i
1: i think i i mean i understand where it may come from i mean i don't have that experience but you know uh the cultures are are held together by stories. You know, tribes are held together by stories. Even brands are held together by stories. Even our identity is held together, but the story that we tell ourselves that we are each day, it's a story. And, um, when the story has too many holes in it and it can't it can't hold its own narrative anymore, it collapses in and on itself. so when you have 9 eleven when you have this financial collapses when you when you have things that violate the story of what America's supposed to be, this country that's you know the story is we have this huge defense system so how well but then 9 eleven happens and the story is that if you work really hard, you can get ahead and well, that doesn't seem to be happening. And the story of America is that we're going to let anyone from any place come here to to make uh, their vision of who they are a reality, and then that isn't true anymore. So, if you lose too many of the the actual real threads of the story, how do you keep everyone together? There's no totem pole to dance around anymore. So, in that kind of world, when 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 everything seems hypocritical, I can understand uh, the the need to like almost like whack a mole every time a hypocrisy pops up you must knock it down and it's exhausting yeah it's exhausting it is it's exhausting and i see it in the comedy world i know that you've seen it in the comedy world i see it clearly in advertising but the the scary crazy dystopian thing to me is then the ad world or the media then puts that back on you it it it, it packages that and sells it back to you as a form of identity so the things that you're angry about the things that you want to be virtuous about and signal that virtue with becomes your identity your political beliefs become your identity And once that's your identity, how can you ever change your mind? I mean, as a guy who came out from being supposedly straight to gay, I know how hard it is to tear away from an identity, from a story that you've created. The story of, I'm a straight guy, has to be torn down for this more true story of, well, I'm gay. And America, I think, is going to have to tear down their story of, well, are we? Well, we're not – what are we? You're I mean, saying
0: America's gay,
1: Jeff? I'm saying America is a huge faggot. Yes. <laughs> Who wants it in the ass.
0: I'm, cl- I'm glad that you got the subtext of what I was
1: talking about, Corey. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's hard to argue with that
1: at this point. Yeah,
0: I mean, America just wants to be pegged.
1: I think that's what it is. Ah,
0: see, okay. There we go. And, so and like it will be. Gay. And it will be by China. <laughs> oh, for sure. China's coming in hot from behind. Oh, yeah. It's not good.
1: But luckily, luckily oh. you know, it's China, so it's not going to hurt too much. So. Right.
0: I, I don't have the same experience. I'll leave that one to you. Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm
1: perpetuating a stereotype. There are lots of Asian
0: men with with
1: <laughs> who are well endowed. I can tell you from experience.
0: Yes, I. Uh, <laughs> that's good. Um, but no, I, everything you said, I a hundred percent agree with and i resonate that's why i like uh, you right? that's why i
1: like you Corey cuz 100% of what i say <laughs> you agree with
0: <laughs> yes well so far let's let's keep talking we'll see if i could disagree with something but i mean it's uh it's interesting cuz the i don't know if you've followed any of the the qAnon people in the last you know week and a half but their I entire followed, world I followed was kind of just I
1: followed them before a week and a half yes
0: Sure. Well, in the last week and a half, their their entire world has been destroyed. Like they were they thought, you know, on on the um, on the inauguration Mm -hmm. day, they like Trump was going to come out Mm -hmm. and he was going to arrest everyone and he was going to become president. Mm -hmm. And then just the idea that uh, I think it was in an episode of The Daily from The New York Times, they were interviewing and they had recordings of these QAnon people that after it didn't happen, they were like, I feel sick to my stomach. Well, how could this happen? We were lied to. I don't know what to do with my life anymore. Like, I don't talk to any of my friends. I don't talk to any of my families. And I realized, like, oh, social media put these people into a cult. Yes. They're in a digital cult. Yeah, they are.
1: Yes. And and so are you. Yeah.
0: For sure. And so am I. <laughs> in in some way. And so am I. Right. Yeah. You and I just happen to be in the same cult.
1: I think I think our <laughs> our cult is more widely distributed.
0: Okay. I could see that.
1: Yeah. It's very sad. So you what's happened to some people, and myself included. It is. Well,
0: (laughs) I mean, you got to, like, it's Uh tough because you have to listen to something, right? You have to choose something to listen to. You can't live in, or most people, some people can most people can't live in this incredibly nihilistic state where everything is a lie and they, and they accept that everything is a lie. It's just, it's not nor like some people could do it, but for a normal person, the, that's what the pillar of religion was for. It's like, okay, everything else is chaos, but that's true. Mm. And that pillar that you were talking about is gone. And it's really, I mean, it's just social media has kind of knocked a, them all Yeah, down. But the
1: church as a pillar is shaky too. I mean, look what they've done by molesting people, oh, removing, yeah. and moving these uh, um, um, pedophilic uh, uh, heads of their uh, clergies around uh, to different uh, dioceses I mean yeah um, yeah. I mean I guess then you have to ask yourself what's true and it's really hard to ask yourself what's true if you don't if you're not tr- have any tr- if you don't have any training in analytical thinking and, and critical thinking and you know even debating and I'm lucky that you know I had an education I had a liberal arts education that kind of taught me how to think You know, Um, and I don't know what kind of education people are being exposed to now, but there seems to be a lack of critical thinking. And I was trying to write a bit about it. it; never really became a bit. But you know, whether it was Gutenberg and the first printed book or Zuckerberg and Facebook, the the problem isn't the medium; it's it's you. It's it's these are just words, and you have to be able to discern what is true or not. When I was growing up, there would be like the Weekly World News. On, at the checkout counter next to you know the New York Times and it looked like a newspaper it presented itself as a newspaper but it was always strange to me that the headlines were you know spaceman found in you know in Tulsa and I'm like why isn't that in the main news and someone had to explain to me how to be media literate that these are this is entertainment this is these are lies This is just this is not true and so if you don't really have any kind of if you can't really discern from like you know whose 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 agenda is being served by what you're consuming, it's really hard. It's a lot like food. I think food and information are pretty similar. If you if you knew how it wound up in front of you, for the most part, you wouldn't consume a lot of it.
0: Yeah, well, I. I- Actually, it's funny you bring up the food thing because I I realized the other day is like people don't understand their information diet or that they have an information diet. And what most people consume is 100% candy. Yeah. It's all sensationalized headlines. And it would be like if you ate Reese's peanut butter cups every single day Mm -hmm. for like your entire life, like sure, there's protein in it. But is it killing you? 100% it's killing you. And it's people just don't realize that like where they are in terms of the type of media that they're they're reading and exactly like critical thought exactly what you're saying mm. they don't understand how they should look at you know maybe maybe some things take less critical thought than others but people can't figure out what each of those are and it ends up with like TikTok of a, a video a fake video about aliens having 4 million likes and you're like oh all of these people believe this is real and that's not real at mm. all
1: well i mean but Now I am not going to say that I uh, I'm not a 9/11 truther, you know, but all these Mm -hmm. conversations were happening about what is real and what is not real, and we've just seen how easy it is to make a large group of people believe something that is so crazy is real, right? We, we yeah, just saw or that, flat earth, so
0: even crazier. Right,
1: right, okay, but we, we've got people who think that Hillary Clinton is drinking blood of, of children to gain special powers, and right? I mean,
0: this. Well, she is. I worked on her. Yeah, campaign. no, I mean, like, uh, we, yeah, I know. we watched <laughs> her do it.
1: But but if you can make a large amount of people believe that, and that's a fringe thought, with fringe, there's not a lot of canvas space for that in the media space, right? Yeah. So wouldn't it be easy to make a lot of people think that? 9-11 happened the way that it was presented when all the media institutions present the story the same exact way over and over and over and over again without a real investigation to, to what really happened in a way that seems to make to hold water. I'm, I'm not saying maybe 9-11 happened exactly the way it did. I'm just saying it's a lot like Wag the Dog, the movie. It's, it's the, the production values of the storytelling are so great now from the people who, who, who are presenting the stories that it's, you, can, you can get wrapped up in something and wonder what is real and what is not real anymore, Right. What, what is true? Yeah. I mean, I was living under the reality that we lived in a protected country where cities like New York City and Washington, D.C. would have had airspace protected. That was a truth right. that I lived with until I was, I don't know, 41 years old or 31 years old. And then that, in a moment, that wasn't true. You know, I, I lived in a truth where, you know, a, a game show host wouldn't become a, the president of the United States, but now that's been violated. So I don't really know what's true anymore. I go out in the woods. Now the woods are true. You got to come to Tennessee and just go out in the woods and, and hug a tree. Right. You feel fine.
0: I'm, I'm not going to lie. I do miss, uh, I do miss the nature in this, uh, cold ass fucking concrete jungle right now. It's, you know, 15 degrees and everyone's pissed off all the time. And normally, you know, you could kind of take that New York energy and make it productive. Just not, not right now. um, but uh but yeah no i and it's it's what you're saying is kind of a and i hate the slippery slope argument but it is kind of it's that first time that you go well i don't know because of this like somewhat like i like someone postulates like oh is is the earth really round and if you've already decided that uh, New York isn't safe And religion's a lie And the media's out to get you And all these other things aren't actually real That's where that step to say the earth is not round Becomes so much easier And that that's kind of what I'm saying Is perpetuated by uh, By media in some sense They're not creating it But they are pushing it
1: yeah, it's th- Do you the, agree the, or disagree? Well, the f-
0: Do I agree that they're Well I, I think that people Think about the role of media would you talk about like Facebook or? Yeah, so like uh, there was an example where um, it was they found someone someone did a huge study with like Facebook and they found out that eighty seven percent of people who joined like alt right. Extremist groups on Facebook did it because Facebook recommended that group to them,
1: right? Because probably like, because of something they liked, or a friend liked, or enough of their right. friends liked, or they were at a physical location where enough of those people who think that way were. Uh, and then, yeah, then you get inundated with whether it be ads or uh, uh, recommendations for groups or just actual posts uh, that could start you know infiltrating your your internal narrative.
0: Yeah. Right. You're not, you're just finding other people that agree with you. Yeah. Like, like me giving you a call.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this would be a much more interesting call if you, if before you said, I agree with 0% of what you said and let me tell you why. <laughs>
0: uh, but, yeah. you know, I mean, I the mean, flat
1: Earth thing is a weird thing for me because there's enough intrinsic scientific evidence that you can look at that the, that the, the bodies of the universe are round and spherical and we, we haven't, like, I mean, Science, I really don't understand the move away from science by a large part of the population. I mean, science is peer-reviewed and – and, and, well, and you don't get it. Well, then what's happening in our education systems and, 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 <laughs> and what's happening yeah. in our entertainment systems that science can't be made more interesting? I mean, science is fascinating. The sp- space and the universe is a fascinating thing to talk about. and Alternate realities and all these types of things that could be possible or might be possible, you'd have to kind of have an understanding of, of science to try to make sense of it. So um, I'm surprised that that hasn't become more of a, of a, of an entertainment uh, play, you know, that there's, I know that there are shows about science, but they're, they're usually kind of presented in kind of nerdy forms. They're not really presented in pop culture ways that much. I mean, if if we could do for science, like, you know, what, what, what the daily show did for politics or what the queen's gambit did for chess, well, then that would be great. (laughs)
0: man that I mean that would be uh that would be cool and I think there I think it is honestly like I think uh I mean space movies have always been fairly popular but you're seeing now the rise of Disney building a Star Wars empire and like Christopher Nolan's making a space movie and um it is it is out there but um it seems it seems to me it's it's kind of like a um a Maslow's hierarchy of needs issue which is like It's essentially saying uh, that everyone's needs are built in a pyramid and you can only like focus on the thing above uh, or on a higher level of thing if you've stacked. Sure. Yeah. Like The the baseline is food. Food. Right. So I one one theory that I've seen for like why this is happening and there is a pushback against education and science is that people feel like it's not important. They feel like other parts of their life are they're not getting enough of it. And they're focused on getting more of it and that's kind of where that you could argue that's where a little bit of political discourse comes from is they're like i'm blaming this person for my life sucking and until my life doesn't suck i'm not worried about any of this other shit Hmm. is is essentially the the argument that's there and you could poke a bunch of holes in that and say like well they're not actually as bad off Mm -hmm. like you know you could pay attention to science as, as long as they're not starving to death like they could but you know, every everyone's focused on themselves right now, and that's just part of American uh, American culture, I guess. Well, it's
1: also worldwide culture. This is not uh, a solely American uh, phenomenon. What's happening? True. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Mark, so guess- Mark Zuckerberg has succeeded in making everyone as autistic as him. Everyone now lives in a world of one. <laughs>
0: Is that why he released the pandemic? See, this is yeah, making of course. More sense. Yeah, just through his, con- through. I just need context. He, well, he <laughs>
1: uh, a lot. A lot of people know he released the virus through his uh, uh, Jew laser beams. So,
0: yes. Oh, I love the Jew laser beam theory. Me too. Just from a like a real uh, a real just. It makes zero sense type of vantage point but you know she's not the only one and that's uh for for anyone listening who doesn't know what we're talking about there's uh a congresswoman who thinks that a that the jews started all of the california wildfires with space lasers um and this is like a real thought that she has and i guess getting back to media like where the fuck does that come like where does that come from? Is it really just a spun out version of what we've been talking about where it's like, well, if that's not true, then this isn't true. And if that's not true, then this is true. And like, or is it mental illness? Do you think obviously, well, like, I think we're, we're, we're all being gaslit
1: clearly. I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and I, and I'm wondering how much it's hiding now that everybody is kind of, for the most part, many people are trapped in their homes in front of screens, whether it be a phone or a tablet or, a, or a, or a TV or, a, you know, a streaming device. Um, yeah. And So the the messages keep piling up, reinforcing the, the worldview, uh, and tearing down yeah. the others. If this isn't true, then that isn't true. I think that's what you were getting at.
0: Yeah, that that makes sense. <laughs> um, well, so I guess I guess to get back to Zuckerberg, uh-huh. um, it it res like something that you said to me. I think like. Four years ago, really, really resonated with me, in, in a story, and we could bleep out the names if uh, if you don't want to talk about this, or we could. I don't, you
1: Let's say the names, and then and then if people are listening to this later, if it's bleep, they'll know that I was a pussy.
0: <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So you you told me the story of when you worked at Facebook, like directly under Zuckerberg, and and part of your goal was to figure out. These bubbles, essentially, right? Yeah, or am I misremembering? Yeah, well, I from, didn't work from four di- years ago. Yeah.
1: Well, I don't want to misre- misrepresent anything. I didn't work directly under Mark. I wasn't in the C group, but okay. we would have frequent presentations with Mark and lots of powwows with Mark because this was during the time that <clears throat> timeline. Just to give context of time, this is like 2012. Just to give you an idea, we thought Google Plus was a real threat. So this is like a very different yeah. world. Uh, the the <laughs> app, uh, the mobile app, was just being re- was being launched uh, with new code and. Uh, the company was going public. <clears throat> Excuse me. A lot of changes were happening at Facebook pretty quickly when I when I got there. Um, not because of me, just coincidentally. And yeah, sure. um, <laughs> so the team that I was on, we were kind of, you know, charged with how do we kind of keep the um, – The vision of what we all thought, what we thought Facebook was, which was to make the world a more open and connected place, a place where people uh, could find more of what we had in common with each other. That's what I think everyone in my team really believed. That's what I believed when I went to go work there. That's what my, well, that's also (laughs) what my experience of using Facebook as a user was at that point. You know, I, 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 um, I got onto, I, I started working there in 2012 and I, I think I got on Facebook and maybe in 2009. So I've been using it for three years and it had enriched my life at that point. It was a very different world back then. I mean, there wasn't even a timeline. There was the wall, if you remember, and there weren't these types of ads. And and it was just a very different ecosystem.
0: And so uh, the
1: team that I I was working on (laughs) was, uh, you know, how can we, it sounds weird to say, but like, how can we bring some humanity to this platform? And and then how does that humanity translate into like, how do we express ourselves to the world as a brand? how do we let people know what we stand for? Kind of like we were going to become like an internal ad agency at, at Facebook. And sure. and rather than make commercials or billboards, we were like, how can we use the platform itself to uh, uh, create things that show that this is what we care about? So one of the things that I worked on was creating an opposite button. I would work on these things during what we called hackathons. And I would assemble <clears throat> excuse me, engineers who believed in the cause and there's lots of other people that need to make a product uh, adjustment or a launch happen. And the idea is to create an opposite button that would show you the news and stories uh, from the people you were friends with that you had the least ideologically in common with. <clears throat> this is back in 2012 when you could be friends with people you didn't agree with. It was a different world.
0: Right. Crazy times. Anyway, <laughs> and,
1: uh, and I showed it to Mark and he was like, you know, why would, you know, what, what is this? And I, I explained, and, he, and I, he goes, why would you make this? And, you know, I said, uh, well, the data shows that <clears throat> people are moving into smaller and smaller circles of influence, and they're talking to fewer and fewer people with fewer and fewer inputs, and that could become, you know, a bubble, and how that could be, you know, uh, maybe not great for society. <laughs> and uh, he said to me, uh, you have amazing solutions to problems I don't have. Uh, and I was like did you just fire me via a riddle like what what am I supposed to do with that information you know uh but you know mark was seeing things in a very different way you know and what I was working on and and I think what the team I was on was working on was really not a priority to him his priority was squashing google plus and 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 launching timeline
0: yeah so I mean obviously uh that button would have been Quite, quite helpful at this point. So I guess it's kind of like, like why not throw it in at that point? What is the thinking? I understand the idea of like, oh no, this isn't a huge priority. But if it's made, then why not put it in?
1: I mean, I there's, there's you a don't lot want of the platform
0: to be bloated, but
1: I mean, there's a lot of there's probably a lot of legitimate reasons why I was just frustrated that we never got to have those conversations about it. It was it was killed pretty quickly. Just the idea mm. of it was it didn't. If it doesn't get Mark's attention, it's not moving past a hack into a uh, uh, an experiment. Like you know, sometimes when they would launch a new product or a service or a feature, they'll they'll launch it like in New Zealand to to a select group of users and like you know test it, maybe right. test it. It didn't even move. It didn't even move.
0: You know. Yeah. So I guess the question now is why? Why hasn't not only Facebook not done that, but anybody done that? Like there's there's really Nobody that it's it's so hard to get the other view. Like I had to train my Google News to show me the New York Post and the AP and the New York Times and the Washington Post and Fox News, but it took months mm. and, it, and it took a dedicated effort for me to actually be able to do it because they I downloaded it and they were like, "Cool, here's all the shit that a normal 26 year old living in New York City would like," and it was Vox and it was BuzzFeed and it was New York Times and it was you know all these more liberal leaning places why why aren't people putting a a quote-unquote opposite button into their Well, maybe you
1: would be i don't really know sports very well but i know that boston and new york teams fans don't get along very well is that right
0: uh yeah for the most part it's a it's a rivalry so
1: maybe it's not great to put them all in the bleachers together haphazardly right like, I don't, I don't, huh. I don't know. Well, I mean, maybe that was the reason. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, from a brand perspective, I could, there are hurdles to launching something like that. It, it kind of, by just, by just launching it, it admits that the platform as it is might be a problem. Right. But I think all those yeah. issues could be mitigated. You could say, Hey, it's, you know, <clears throat> in trying to make the world a more open and connected place, we want to create dialogue amongst people who, who, um, who may not agree about things. And there, there could have been things created icebreakers, uh, tips on how to talk to people. There's lots of things that could have been done within the platform to help you bridge gaps between people in your life. But those, those gaps are much wider now, uh, nine years later. I mean, like I said, the platform was not what it is now. It was not death threats. And I mean, there was always hate speech on Facebook and it was, it was removed pretty, you know, as quickly as I, as it could from what I saw. Um, but you didn't, you didn't have groups just dedicated to to hate like you do now that that's not what facebook was when i was there and if if it was i wasn't exposed to it
0: right well the groups thing has always been interesting to me because right after the 2016 election and i understand that that this is a titanic ship at this point and they can't Pivot immediately, but right after 2016, where it kind of came out like, oh, Russia was starting these groups and they were spreading misinformation through these groups and and all that stuff. The new ad campaign for Facebook was about groups. It was 100% about being in a group with other people like yourself. And I like, I watched it six months after the Trump got elected and went, what the fuck, like. Do they not understand what's going on? Am I missing something? Like, I it just blew me away when I when I saw that.
1: Well, it is it is a huge ship, Facebook, and you know, there's also there's another bubble here. There's the Silicon Valley bubble, which is its own bubble of yeah. we can make things because it's a little bit like Jurassic Park. We can let's make it because we can. No one's really asking. Sure. <laughs>
0: move fast and
1: break yeah, things. Yeah, I mean that that those yeah. those were the propaganda posters around the campus. And funny enough, the group that I was on made those posters. <laughs> I mean, that, that was part of what our group did. I mean, I didn't write that. And I, I like a lot of the, um, it was pretty impactful when I went there for the interviews, those posters like really had an impact that it was, it was a way of, of really exemplifying what the culture was and move fast and break things had a very positive spin at the time. You know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't think democracy was one of the things that they were going to break. I thought it was just more, it was more like, you know, let's break the, the way we do things just because we do them right. um, or, you know, um, let's just, let's just ship it out. And if it's not perfect, we'll, 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 we'll fix it while the plane is flying. And it was kind of like, let's just do it by the seat of our pants type of thing and be entrepreneurial and, and resourceful and, and scrappy. But it became a very, right. very big, very, very big, 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 big place, you know, with lots of different competing yeah. interests within Facebook, uh, and with lots of different agendas uh, for power, for money, for politics, uh, people became very powerful, uh, with, with money and, and influence at Facebook. I mean, not me, yep. but other people did. <laughs> I traded it all for, a, 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 a magic beans at, at Buzzfeed.
0: <laughs> Ooh, nice. Is that, uh, is that what you're calling equity? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I had, they gave me, they, they compensated me pretty well at Facebook with a lot of stock, just, just, just when you start because the stock it wasn't a public company so they would just give you you know thousands of shares of, of promises for stock when the company went public right who knew what that when that would be and who knew how much it would trade at and then you would have these reviews and instead of raises if you were doing well they would just give you more stock because right. it was just paper you know um, yeah but you have to vest and you vest 25% uh, each year for your first four years until you get all that stock. And I I didn't invest. I left to go to BuzzFeed in exchange for, yeah, uh, equity in BuzzFeed and and I was fired like within like 15 minutes after (laughs) landing at BuzzFeed. So I never got anything.
0: Bummer. Yeah, that's, uh, that's tough. I had kind of the same situation at, because at, at smaller startups that I work at too, they also give equity, but, uh, but yeah, I was at a company for six months thinking I'd get all this equity. And then I, then I got fired and had to jump somewhere else. So I feel, I feel your pain. Um, but the i guess the the next question that comes to my mind is like what can be done about this what is the next step like if the opposite button isn't going to work is the answer to say like okay facebook's too big it's got to die because there's no way to fix it or is like are there things that they can do and maybe it's not even them maybe it's the government like wh- what have you kind of seen in a more macro sense for like, how do we, how do we fix this? How do we fix the pillars that you were talking about at the beginning? Or how do we find new pillars to put them to raise us up without getting into another war? I mean,
1: here's the thing, man. And and I'm not, I'm I'm not the one millionth person to say it. It's uh if you're using the product for free, you are the product you're being bought and sold. So I think it, it's, it's a, it's a good question to ask, but it might lead us to like answers that don't really help us. Like, I don't, I I don't know if this is a good uh, 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 model, you know, uh, where you use it sure. for free, uh, and then people buy and sell you. They're buying and selling your attention, and they're diverting your attention, and and they are advertisers or corporations or, or or governments or people who want to be in government. So how do you fix that? I mean, I mean ultimately this this gets biblical. Money is the you know. Uh, root of all evil. Actually, that's not biblical, but money is the root of all <laughs> evil. I mean, money is what's. Um, people with money are are kind of tilting that 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 landscape. But that's not new to Facebook. That happens with newspapers. The agenda of the wealthy oh, yeah. and the people who own the New York Times. You know, they've made us believe that Palestinian lives are worth less than Jewish lives, um, simply by saying that the Palestinians who die, they put that story on page 10 and the Israelis who die are on page two. Isn't that a form of editorialization and, and grouping and bubbling? Yeah. I mean, I don't, maybe, uh, um, I mean,
0: they, they would argue that, uh, we, the consumer choose which page they put it on. Although we know that's not entirely true. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely understand that there's not a right answer, but if, could we just make things not free? Like what happens if Twitter becomes subscription, Facebook becomes subscription, TikTok, uh, New York Times is subscription. And a lot of people are saying that they're like, they're getting a lot better, Yeah, essentially. Well, and the other, uh, the other because thing- Because they're, yeah. they're bringing in so much more revenue.
1: Well, the other thing, you know, at the very beginning of this chat, you, you, I think you were talking about how there just used to be a few TV channels and those TV channels actually had to, they were given the airwaves, these were public airwaves that they were given stewardship over and they had to, they had to return something to the communities. It was usually done in some bullshit way, like a three in the morning, you know, public TV crap, but they, they had to do something to serve the community. And, and the new media landscape is not TV, it's, it's Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and and there's really—I um, mean, you asked if the government should step in. I mean, not this government.
0: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> not, I, Even the Biden government—you don't trust them yet? No,
1: I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't trust any of these. I mean, would you trust the Chinese government? Would you trust the, the German government? Would you? Do you trust governments? I mean, they don't have a great track right uh. record.
0: No, but neither do companies. And like I said, there's just got right. so so to be. Most something you trust.
1: So you got to believe.
0: <laughs> look, you, this is. You oh, got to believe in one thing or the other. This
1: is all in the movie network. If you watch the movie network, oh, yeah. go to yourselves. Believe in yourselves. But how can you yeah. even find yourself when you are so distracted by work and by all the other, like two jobs and three jobs or working 80 hours, 40 hours pay. And then you have uh, a media system that is advertising based, which is really putting out messages to make you feel inadequate because you don't have the right car you don't have the right look or you don't have the right clothes, you don't have the right job. You're in a constant state of, uh, they. The, when I say they, I mean like the, the system that wants your attention and money, they want you in a state of fear. They want you in a state of, of perpetual nervousness because you're a better consumer. You know, happy people yeah. don't buy things. They need to fill no. up the emptiness with a new laptop or a car or a hat or a shoe or a badge on on a platform or whatever it needs to be filled so they must create the emptiness in order to fill it the way to get out of this come to tennessee and go into the woods i'm just trying to get everyone to come to tennessee is all this is about no
0: i know (laughs) you are you are literally the third person who's told me to move to tennessee in the last uh in the last month so you're you're not alone on that but i like getting back to that idea like I think that is why people are moving to Texas and moving to Tennessee and moving to Carolina away from New York City like and I'm not even counting the people that are leaving New York City and going up to Connecticut to hang out with more New York City people I'm talking about drastic change in lifestyle where it's it's slowed down a little bit Um, this has been a drastic
1: change the 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 you know they're big on community here so and maybe that's because it's a, a Christian area but like I go on the subreddit for Chattanooga and I was posting about the show that I do at the Bode every other Friday, uh Bodecomedy.com for tickets. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and it was getting some really good upvotes, and I felt really good, and I felt really welcomed. And then the Reddit, the subreddit kind of turned on me <clears throat> and said, Hey, all you really do is post about your show here. Do you have nothing else to contribute here? And I'm like, well, you no, know, wow. I'm just I'm just promoting my show. Like to me, this was just a, a board. <laughs> for things that are happening in Chattanooga. And the mods wrote to me and they go, we try to have a sense of community, like maybe like comment on other people's posts or engage with people. And so I did. And then the same thing happened on Facebook. I was promoting the show on a Facebook singles uh, page for Chattanoogan singles. And the head of that uh, board wrote to me and said, all you really do is promote. Are you going to engage? And then there was like a a, a sex chat room I was in to try to hook up with dudes in Chattanooga. And I got kicked out of the group. (laughs) And then I asked, what did I do? Did I do anything wrong? They go, all you really do is post about hooking up. And then I realized like everywhere you go here, they don't want it to be a transaction. And I'm a New Yorker or or I've lived in LA in London. And I think these are transactional cities where everyone's hustling so much that you, you engage just to get what you each need out of it in that moment. And... That can also leave you feeling kind of empty and wondering who you are because, you know, uh, so I'm really surprised by people's uh, openness to have a real connection with people. And I've, I've embraced it. I've, 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 I've risen to the challenge of not just promoting shows, but trying to meet people in the community and, and be involved. And um, it's, 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 it's a different experience for me.
0: Yeah. No, I mean I you're talking to someone who who grew up in the Midwest, like I experienced it in the other way of moving to New York and wanting to connect with people in more of a, you know, in more of a real way and uh thank thankfully you you weren't off put by it. I think uh because you're a little bit older, but there were plenty of people in the New York comedy scene that were like, "What? You want to like fucking get a drink and talk? Like what is what is this like no, no you we do open mics next to each other and that's it and it's like oh okay i guess that's how this goes here and there's still like obviously there's still uh a little like i've shifted a little more towards a new york attitude but but all of my best best friends in the city grew up in the south or in the midwest huh. and i like and it's it's interesting to hear you say that with um like down in Chattanooga, that you're you're realizing exactly what I realized in an opposite way, uh, going the other way, and I don't, I mean I don't know which way is is better i guess like a lot of people would say the slower way in in the midwest and in the south uh leads people to be happier but it also leads some people to be frustrated by like i feel like i'm trapped i feel like i can't get out so uh i'm glad you're enjoying it for right now
1: for right now i mean i don't know if it'll become suffocating in the future i mean there's also an anonymity that comes with living in new york because everyone's in a a, a bubble and I mean, right. you could do 10 horrible things to human beings before you even get to work and no one will ever know what you did. Here, if you spit on the street, someone's going to be like, hey, that that's the comic who
0: just spit on our street. Yeah, just the comedy guy from the hotel, just spit on our yeah, street. Nobody go to their show. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, I know. Why do you think Midwesterners are so fucking nice? Uh, well, <laughs> we have to be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that
1: explains so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. I mean, the so that's that's kind of what i was getting at with um with like millennials being obsessed with with justice is what you were saying with like there is no right answer we can't trust corporations we can't trust companies and so the the question becomes like okay what do we do because i think most people between our age brackets are all have relatively the same feeling of like this is all shit everything that i've learned is wrong but So what do we do going forward and it's just at least in my opinion just being angry about everything and saying like i hate it so we're just not going to deal with it or i'm going to run into the woods like that works for for individuals but as a whole like what do we what do we do are there other things that we could rally around well you know
1: anger makes sense because that's the second stage of acceptance right first there's denial which we've been in you know and then there's anger And then there's, so I guess next is negotiating, oh, Biden's not that bad. And then there'll be, you know, (laughs) uh, uh, depression. And then I guess acceptance. And that cycle, I mean, I don't think that's a good cycle. I, I, a part of me kind of almost wanted Trump to win again. So the spending machine would finally tip over and all the candy would fall out. Now it's teetered back. To, you know, people, it's, it's sad to see how the pandemic has, and, and how awful Trump is, has made people just want us to go back to what it was, which really wasn't great. And I'm saying that as a white guy who has done okay. Like, I can't even imagine what the world is like for someone more marginalized than I. I mean, I'm a gay guy, but I'm not a person of color, and I haven't had that experience. I mean, it, it hasn't been good for a lot of people who have been economically marginalized or culturally marginalized, So the idea of going back to what it was, I thought this was a chance to maybe rebuild something new. Um, You know, Steve Malloy had a really good point, and we were talking about the Capitol siege and how, you know, these people were kind of let in. And if if the Black Lives Matter movement got within a block of that building, they would have all been—and they were attacked— um, and the right. reality is because the people who run the Black Lives Matter movement, if they get into that building, they're going to set up a new government. They're not going to steal podiums and kill people. They're just going to set up a more efficient government, you know, and right. that's what they don't want, you know. So, yeah, because, um, you know. But maybe, maybe not. I mean, I will say this. The left doesn't really seem to know what they want. I mean, look at Occup- Occupy Wall oh, Street. No.
0: And um, The left eats its own. That's, right. that's how they roll. But all. the right
1: knows what they want. Kill Pelosi. They, they're they all, they get right. it. They, they know what they want.
0: <laughs> I mean,
1: and even the ones who don't believe in it are like, well, yeah. we're going with this. It's an easy message. Kill Pelosi. It fits yeah. on a bumper sticker. Let's go with it.
0: Right. Who needs nuance? <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. It, it's... It's tough, but you also like you also have to push forward, and that's part of the reason I'm like I legitimately got excited about the like the redditors who put that uh, hedge fund out of business mm-hmm. because they they decided to pump a stock that they shorted, and uh, like that is. But doesn't this show you what a scam is the, this is?
1: The fact that the government has now stepped in to help those guys and not.
0: No, but that's that's exactly why I like it because it's not because they played by the rules. It wasn't storming the capital, it wasn't breaking stuff. It was completely legal, it was completely legitimate. And now so many more people have cuz just as money's the root of all evil, like money is everything that America runs on and if you change the financial system, like I used to have a joke, I could never really make it work where like everyone was so angry all the time and the way to fix it would be if the government just gave everyone $10,000 cuz you're if someone hands you ten thousand dollars there's no way you can be angry at whatever you were angry at um and that's i mean that's the whole point behind ubs well maybe maybe of, we should just send or, everybody or out UBI. maybe we should
1: just send everybody a pinata because that way they can get their frustrations out and smack it open and then right. they get their six hundred dollar check inside. with
0: well i was thinking ten thousand oh, dollars but you're not getting that money. Yeah, you're not getting ten thousand yeah. dollars <laughs> <laughs> no not even a little but that's but that's why i like what the redditors did is like they showed everyone it's a sham mm. and then all these trading people were like, oh, no, we're not going to let you break down our financial system. And now everyone, everyone in the country understands that finance is a sham and how it's a sham. But, not I, just I, but the, I would argue the, the Wall Street guys are ripping us off. I know. But, but like this is how they're doing it.
1: But Corey, I mean, you can go back to that Leonard Cohen song, which was written, you know, decades ago. Everybody knows. Everybody knows. I, 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 yep. I don't think awareness is the issue. I think what we need is some kind of plan for a change. And so the trouble is just like if you've been in therapy and you want to change yourself, you have to leave one shore to get to the other, which means we might have to walk away from this idea of what America was. Maybe it is too big of a country. Maybe we're not United States. Um, I mean, I just don't see this thing being sustainable. It's being held together with Band-Aids. And uh, to me, this is like a car that's like breaking down and sputtering on the side of the road. And we're just going to keep repainting it. The engine is rotted. Um, uh, Nothing is working on it. Um, the steering doesn't work. It's it's careening out of control and we're just painting it. And I feel like it needs real, real, real change, maybe even destruction yeah. in order to have something new come out of its ashes. Um, well, I, I don't know how much more the, 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 the dial can be turned up. I mean, more than people storming a capital that that energy isn't going away. It's being transferred somewhere and it's going to come up right. again in an uglier fashion unless it's unless it's. Yeah dealt with or completely cut out as like a cancer
0: yeah i mean i uh i tend to agree and there's a i think there's a lot of people that that say the first step is to kneecap social media um is uh, to to not get rid of the energy but at least to defuse it stop pouring gasoline on the energy is is what the analogy I would use uh, is for, uh, for, for social yeah, media. Yeah, but
1: it is a, uh, and I hate the term slippery slope too, but like, let's say as comedians, let's say we put jokes that might be inflammatory. Does that mean those jokes shouldn't be able to go up? Like who's going to decide what is a call to action and a call to arms? And what is a joke? What is just people venting? What is legitimate? Again, it goes back to yeah. like, can we discern, can we be critical and analytical from what we're looking at and consuming? Um, apparently not yeah. not not when people who believe in qAnon are actually in our elected government now i mean
0: yeah I mean, I've said it before. I don't know if I've said it on this podcast, but I welcome our AI overlords. I'll just, whatever they say, whatever. Hopefully we can teach them nuance and then we don't have to worry about stupid people. We just have to worry about stupid computers. And uh, and then we'd have someone else to blame. Well, we're, our, we're, our, our, we only need one pillar and that is the AI supercomputer.
1: All right, I'm down. You, you sold me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, it would give everyone a sense of truth in in some uh, in some sense. You know Corey? I 100
1: percent agree with you.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. And actually, we're at an hour, ah. um, and this was this was great. That went so fast. I like. I love talking about this stuff. And anyone who's listened to this podcast before. Um, knows knows that about me so thank you for coming on oh, this thank was, you for having me I, uh, always great to hear your perspective oh
1: that's very sweet of you and i'm glad it was called kind of an expert because i'm really not an expert at anything i'm a guy who worked at some places <laughs> and has lost his mind since but uh i, I think we're uh, all
0: just figuring it out
1: listen it, but listen uh uh as this country is being torn apart i think it's important to remember that countries aren't real
0: very true i could have said it better myself Oh, Jeff. All right. So I'll put, uh, I'll put some stuff in the, in the show notes for, uh, like plugs where, where people can find you on Instagram. Like I said, I've got a bunch of people in moving down to Tennessee, so I'll put all that in there. But if you also want to plug, uh, at the end of this, um, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Can like right now with my voice?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll put it in the show notes too.
1: I run a show every two weeks at the Bode, uh, hotel in downtown Chattanooga. It's the first and third Friday of every month. It's eight bucks and that comes with a beer. So it's pretty much a free show. You're pretty much just buying your beer. What deal. In a, yeah, you're pretty much just buying your beer in advance so we know that you show up. <laughs> and then we pass yeah. a bucket around for tips. And, and so far, everyone's no one's walked. We've all had a great shows. We're, we're distanced. Uh, and you have to wear a mask when you're not sitting at the seats. And uh, we've got a, a different group of New York comics coming down each week. And, and we mix it up with some Nashville comics and, of course, Chattanooga comics and Atlanta comics. Brock Savage is on the next one. Ted Barden's on the next one. We just had Destiny Dunkel wow. down here. Uh, we got Nick Tilleli and Travis Grant coming back. We got Greg and Rob. The twins are coming down with uh, James Pontillo and Farouk are going to be down on the show at some point. Eric Newman. Nice. Eric Newman, who's you know from The Cellar. He's coming down on the 19th for a yeah, show. Yeah. He's great. Yeah, and Stephen Malloy is hosting that show. So if you're in town or in the area, swing by. Uh, we'd love to have you here, and you can get tickets and the schedule at bodecomedy.com. That's B-O-D-E comedy.com.
0: Awesome, perfect. Well, thank you so much for doing this, Jeff. We'll uh, we'll have to do it again sometime, and hopefully, do people uh, make it through to the plug? Do soon.
1: people listen all the way to the plug? What do you think? Oh yeah, they listen all the yeah, way yeah. through. Yeah. Right. Most
0: most people that listen to me uh, get through get through at least uh, half the episode in one time, and then another half the other time. Okay, so, I look forward. Uh, to it. It's rare that people quit uh, a third of the way in. All right. Well, I'm I'm. I hope people enjoy both halves. Yeah, I'm sure they did. I definitely did. And uh, we'll have to talk soon. All right, Corey.
1: Thank you for this, buddy.
0: Yeah. See you, man. Bye-bye.